Get your ride ready for spring driving with Dobbs Spring Break Deals. Money saver deals you can use on Goodyear, Pirelli, Cooper, Michelin, and General Tires. Expert auto service, too. Click on GoToDobbs.com for spring break deals now. Cheap, cheap, fun, fun. Spring is in the air and Dirt Cheap is in your neighborhood ready to deliver the perfect drinks to your doorstep. That's right. All of Dirt Cheap's convenient locations now offer delivery of their wide selections of beers, wines, and all the spirits you need. And if you're like me, nothing hits better in the springtime than a nice weeded bourbon. Ask the friendly staff at Dirt Cheap about their selection of weeders like Maker's Mark, Larceny, and so many others. Download the Dirt Cheap app and order curbside or delivery. Have fun, but be careful out there. Oh, Donut Day. You said it, Randy. I tell my kids all the time. They know this. They go, guys, there's only a few things I love in this world. I was telling family, pasta, a good glass of red wine, and donuts. And they'll repeat it. And they'll, they'll, let you, they'll let you feel the burn, feel the wrath. I love me some donuts. I, I like this. Okay, so we've had the discussion amongst us this morning. What is Joe Vitale's go-to donut? I think, honestly, the, the French crawler, to me, from Tim Hortons in Canada, I know it's crazy. There's something about it. Uh, truly, truly remarkable. Uh, but locally here in St. Louis, do you guys, have you guys heard about Tony's out in North County over there? Yes, yeah. Tony's Donuts, their glazed donut is amazing. They also have a croissant donut, which is mm. not quite not quite the 27-layer donut that you're going to get from um, Ansel's place up in uh, New York. If you're ever, the in, ever up in New- the Corona, Michelle, have you heard about this? I've, I've had it. It's great. You had Dominic it? Ansel's. You yeah. Oh yeah. It was very good, Joe. Very good. I wouldn't wait in that line for it, but I got one from somebody. Very good. Okay. So you and me are on the exact same page. When we were up in New York, we had that six day road trip there this, this, um, this past year with the blues. I sat in that line, and this thing was wrapped around two blocks. I'm like, you know what? I'm in New York. Let's get it out. It was like an hour wait. I get it. You know what? It was fine. It was great. I, I'm not going to complain. I'll never complain about a bad donut. But at the same time, like, you know what? For like 10 bucks, I was like basically a buck 50 a bite. I'm like, ah, I could probably pass. But that's, that, that's interesting what that guy did. You know, he's a, he's a French pastry guy. He creates this, this bakery up in New York. And he, he creates essentially um, a 27-layer um, croissant, and he decides to shave it into a donut and then fry it and calls it the cronut. What's even further cool that what he did was pretty, pretty smart. He actually patented it, right? So no one in the world can call a, a basically a 27-layer croissant donut a cronut. He, he has rights to that name. So that's why you'll see a lot of other places across the, the country in the world when they, they kind of mimic it and they'll call it like the 27 layer donut or the, or the multi-layer donut because, because of course he's got rights to that. But that, that certainly is a great donut. Um, you put a croissant and a donut together that, that definitely can top it up there. But locally here in St. Louis, um, I love me a, a good Tony's and also the donut drive. And I got a soft spot in my heart for that over at Watson. I'll never forget my dad coming home with a big box of those and some coffee when I was a kid. Good memories, good times. Joe, we have a lot to get to for Blues Hockey, but before we do, speaking of donuts and coffee, I have one thing that we talked about earlier in the show that I want to run by you because I think you might agree with me. I was telling Randy that if I could think about my purpose in life or my ideal life, what it would look like. I want to be one of those old Italian guys that wears the newsboy hats and sits outside a coffee shop and drinks coffee and BSs with their friends. Doesn't that just seem like the life? I literally just sent a photo of these old Italian men to my friend the other day. I go, we need to create this here. Yes. I 
I am so tired of these awesome old Italian people playing cards out in the streets. Yes, Joe. And we're not doing. I'm with you. We're not doing that here. We gotta. We gotta figure out a way to do that. My friend uh, Giuseppe Giardina. He's a great Italian guy. We coach hockey together. He's deep rooted Italian roots. And I said to him, I was like, man, look at these old men. And you're right. Th- there's plenty of photos out there. You, you watch any Stanley Tucci video or, or this, uh, some great Instagram people, obviously, they travel to Italy, and, and, and they, they love just highlighting these people. Um, they, they just they get together, and they socialize, and they're these little groups, and they play cards, they play dice, and they have their espresso, and they have their drinks in the evening. And they just they get along, and they just, I don't know, they talk about politics, and they, they, they yell at each other and scream at each other the way Italians do. Um, but not only not only that, it's fun, of course. But you look at you look at it's really popular in the island of Sardinia, which is kind of off the coast of Italy. And they uh, they've actually found that the people of Sardinia, Italy, it's pretty cool. They they consider these blue zones. I'm sure if you guys have heard about this or not, but uh, the Sardinia, Italy, is part of one of the blue zones, which basically means there's like seven locations around the world that they found that people live into their hundreds very frequently, like a lot of centurions where people will be 110, 106. They have brothers who are 115, whatever. It's just amazing, this island of Italy. So they, they really went in there, and they decided to kind of really break down a bunch of you know uh, philosophy people and scientific people and health nuts went in there. What are these people from Sardinia, Italy, doing so differently? And, and it's a multitude of things, right? It's uh, they, they plant their own food for the most part. They only have meat really once a week, a lot of whole grains, a lot of beans. That's the diet aspect of it. But one of the aspects of it is the exercise and socialization. Where here in America, like if we think of exercise, we go to the gym for an hour. But over there, they, they literally leave their house and they walk to the center of the village, which is like all uphill. And it takes them like an hour, hour and a half to get there on a good day. But it takes them so long because they're stopping almost at every door to talk to friends along the way. And finally, they get to the, like the center where they're going to have espresso. It's already an hour and a half exercise. And then they <laughs> sit down and then they talk to all their buddies for an hour and a half. And they, and they laugh and they're hysterical. They go home and they take a nap. I mean, to me, it sounds like a pretty good life. Joe, we got to start the movement here, okay? We are going to start this somehow. I don't know what it's going to be called, but we're going to start a club where we hang out and drink coffee and we just sit outside. It's going to be awkward at first. People are like, <laughs> what are we doing here? Isn't it like, where, where are the iPads? Like, what? It's, like, hang with me. You got to bear with me. It's, it's going gonna, it's gonna to catch. It's going to click. And before you know it, you're right, Michelle. I'm with you. If you want to start a little group here, you know, it doesn't have to be just men, men, women, whoever, man. Yeah. Just, just people that appreciate just getting together, putting your phones away, bringing out an espresso, maybe some good Italian cookies from the hill, yeah. and just sit around on our – got to be lawn chair. It's got to yeah. be a yep. foldable Absolutely. lawn chair as well with a wood box where we're <laughs> going to play cards. I don't even play cards, but I'll learn. <laughs> hey, Joe, I just assumed when you brought up Sardinia, Italy, that it would be the, the birthplace, the place where we found or started eating sardines, and evidently it's not. Unfortunately, no. That, that I would believe that would probably be more southward Sicily. I know Sicily is obviously the fishing, the fishing kind of kappa of, of Italy. But no, Sardinia, uh, although it's a plenty of coastline because it is its own island, uh, sharp people there, snappy people, not quite like Sicilians. Sicilians have a tendency to be a little bit more harsh. And, and the reason for that is, though, uh, because they've been taken over I think, more than any, like, island in like the history of the world think of it they're right in the middle of the mediterranean they're in the middle of all these countries uh, uh they, they 
so much influence from the from the from the Arabs and, and of course the Sicilians and Italy's and the Greeks and uh, the Chinese even have taken over at some point. So that's why you see a lot of Sicilians and Sicilians have a, like a, a harsh attitude or like, a lot of Sicilians haven't talked to their sister in 40 years. Like, oh my God, how can you not talk to your sister in 40 years? Because they, they're just kind of snappy people. And then the other thing too is they, um, it's, it's, it's a flat, flat island, right? No, it's not a flat island. It's a very steep island because of the mountain. So there's not a lot, of, there's not a lot of room to grow crops in Sicily. So one of their main, um, one of their main sources of income was actually raising goats for, for milk and for, and to make cheese because of, because of the way the land was structured. Now, the only problem with that is that at nighttime, uh, all, all these Sicilian shepherds, their, their sheep were getting eaten by wolves or people were taking their sheep. So that's where like Sicilians, typically they're always looking over their shoulder. They don't trust a lot of people. It's because of those, their deep rooted heritage of being shepherds and having all these goats mm. and sheep up in the mountains and the wolves are picking them off left and right. Joe, I always learn so much it's from amazing. you. It's amazing. It really is. I love it. All right, well, let's talk some blues hockey because that's what the people want to hear, even though I think they're very entertained by our side <laughs> conversations here. You know, Joe, I just can't shake this feeling from the blues season ending that it's just an incomplete season. I know that the Avalanche were a really tough opponent, but it just feels like you didn't get the best version of the blues in that series. What do you think? You know, Michelle, I, honestly, Michelle, I kind of think the opposite. I, I think that they gave it a good run. You know what I mean? I, I think from the very beginning, you knew you were going to have to run through Colorado at some point, and, and you knew how good they were. I think Joe Sackett deserves a lot of credit for what he did this offseason. Uh, for some of the guys that he's brought in in his tenure, um, he's corrected the depth problem by getting players like Kadri. You know, he corrected the goaltender problem by getting the big guy in Darcy Kemper. Um, he's they, they've drafted very well. They've groomed players very well, and they have some size in the back end as well. So I think that Colorado was built to win this year, and I think that the Blues knew they were going to have to have a lot of puck luck and a lot of just magic to get through them. And listen, they took it to a four-two series. I mean, you look at what's happening in the Edmonton series. Now, I think Edmonton's going to get swept. I mean, they, they, Colorado is just that good. So you're looking at a team that, to me, is favored to still win the Stanley Cup. I think they will be the Cup winners here in the next three to four weeks. I think it will be Landis Scott lifting the Cup up. And then you look at how the Blues fared against them, and, and they were right there. I mean, they're, they're a bounce away from taking that thing overtime to force in Game 7, and then, and then you're just one bounce away. And the fact that you did that without your starting goaltender in Jordan Bennington, you didn't have your, your quarterback, Tory Krug, who basically, to me, completely revitalized this team and changed the whole philosophy from a smash-mouth team to a puck possession team. So you don't have Tory Krug back there. Of course, that's on the power play as well. I mean, we're all starting to see the, the reports now with Braden Shen dealing with broken ribs um, for, the, for the better half of the whole season, but especially in playoffs. I, I, I talked to Braden. It's nothing I could say on the air during it because of obvious reasons, but that guy was banged up, man. You should have seen him walking on the plane. I mean, these players were dealing with some stuff. It was, it was pretty tough. And I know that the that it certainly didn't work out the way they wanted to, but I look at how, how close they, they came, a bounce away from forcing game seven, uh, with all the banged up injuries, with, all, with everything kind of going on this year, I just felt that they, they were still right there. So I, I look at this season from an optimistic standpoint, and I look at especially the offseason, Michelle, from an optimistic standpoint, too, because they're right there and they're so close. This is not a lot of work Doug Armstrong has in front of them. you got to get a couple guys signed, maybe get one or two new players. But the goaltending situation, it's already been resolved. you got great guys coming back, core pieces, young pieces, guys coming up in the system, and you're so close already. It's only a few tweaks here and there. I think this Blues team's going to be right back in the mix. Hey, Joe, you're around this team so much. I look at it from the outside, and if I'm the Dallas Stars, if I'm a team looking for a coach, I'm coming to St. Louis. I'm, I'm talking to Steve Ott. They've already had Jim Montgomery, but I'm, I'm talking to Van Ryan. Uh, 
this staff is so good. At some point, do you think guys will start to get picked off as head coaches? I, I do. I think Mike Van Ryan's an interesting one. You know, I, I will say, Steve, I mean, they're all, they're all amazing. Don't get me wrong. I mean, Jim Montgomery, like you mentioned, Randy, he's already got NHL experience. He's taken that Dallas team all the way um, to bounce away from making it to the Western Conference Final. He's 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 won national championships from college. Everywhere Jim Montgomery has gone, he's won. Okay, so that that's that's not to be misunderstood. And I think a lot of GMs are intrigued by that. You look at you look at a guy like Mike Van Ryan. You know, one thing about Mike I will say is he has head coaching experience. Of course, you know, coaching the American Hockey League there in Tucson underneath uh, the Arizona Coyotes. That means something to GM. They don't necessarily want to bring in someone who's only been an assistant in the National Hockey League. In some ways, they actually have a guy be ahead in the American Hockey League, case in point, uh, Craig Berube, you know, when he was in Chicago there for a little bit before Doug said, okay, I'm going to give him a shot in the National Hockey League. So that's what Mike Van Ryan's got going for him. He's got head coaching experience. And to me, Mike's got a really good presence on the bench. He's got a head coaching presence. And I know some of the players I've talked to on the side, um, they get a little peed by Mike at times because he does kind of like, have that head coaching philosophy when at times you kind of need him to be more of an assistant, like your best friend. But I think at the end of the day, that's just who he is. And I think he's unapologetic about it. So I think that Mike certainly fits that mold as a head coach. And then of course, the other one you mentioned, Steve Ott, you know, Steve, Steve really impressed me when I, when I joined the broadcast booth and I, I got to know him a little bit as a coach, he really surprised me because how intelligent he is. People don't, people don't understand this about Steve. They, they think of, they think of a head coach exactly the way he played as a player, but it's not the case for, for any of the coaches for that matter, but especially Steve. Steve was, you know, for the better for the better part of his career, he was like a Brad Marchand. He was a bit of a rat. He went out there, he disturbed, he disrupted, he got under the skin of guys, but he kind of played that, I don't want to say dumb game, but it was very like a, a caveman game, right? And then you, you, you see him take over a coaching job with the St. Louis Blues, and you're like, well, he's probably going to have that same caveman uh, approach to coaching, but it was the opposite. I mean, He's so articulate when he speaks. He, he breaks down the game uh, in, in such a way, not only that it's effective, but easy for players to understand. He's very, very um, shortly removed from the game. So that, that's another advantage that Steve has. But I am just super impressed with the educated approach he has to the game of hockey. He will be a head coach one day, unfortunately for Steve right now. I think that he is going to need probably need to find some experience in the American Hockey League as a head before he gets um, a sniff as a head coach, but certainly qualified and just uh, extremely impressive to be around. And for all three of those guys, uh, everyone just loves being around them. And I, and I don't believe we are going to see a, a coaching staff next year or a bench next year that looked like how it ended this year. I just think there's just too much uh, high hockey IQ on the bench right now that someone's going to pick someone up. We always love being around you. We always appreciate the time you spend with us. and We always learn something and we, we, we've got a good idea. We just got to move this forward now. Exactly right. Let's just keep doing it. You know, guys, I, I really I really appreciate all these Friday chats as well. They're one of my favorite ones. I look forward to them. I love stepping outside the house and doing them. And uh, you guys put on a great show and, and, and keep doing the great work and bring, in, bring it to the people the way you've been doing it. We'll do it. Thanks, Joe. V. See you later. Take care. Uh, have a good day. Bye-bye. That's Joe Vitale on 101 ESPN. I'm telling you, we need to start a coffee and conversations crew. Triple mm-hmm. C. We need to get matching newsboy hats. We need to go full St. Petersburg. You put your phone in a basket yep. and we just sit around a table outside drinking a cup of coffee, maybe eating a donut, playing some cards, and we just enjoy each other. Love the idea. Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged In with Chris Howard. The college football playoff committee made their decision on Sunday, and as much as I loathe the idea of Ohio State losing their way into the college football playoff, I 100% agree with OSU making it in over Bama. 
Nick Saban citing some hypothetical point spreads to prove his point that the tie deserve a spot in the college football playoffs holds little substance when you consider Bama's best win is over Texas. No, the committee got it right. TCU had a great season with far more ranked wins than Bama and didn't deserve to lose their spot after playing a surging Kansas State in a championship game. And Ohio State, while not playing some of their best ball later in the season, was still 12-0 until they came face-to-face with my Wolverines. While the college football playoff system isn't nowhere near as good as it could be, it's better than what we had. And in a few years, it will be better for all of college football. Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged In with Chris Howard. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there. From football to basketball to soccer and esports, we've got it all at BetOnline.net. And if you love sports podcasts, you can find those at BetOnline as well. And don't forget, BetOnline for the NHL, MMA, boxing, and golf. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. BetOnline, where the game starts. Hey, hon, what you doing with your fun? Do flowers have best friends? I don't know. Hey, look. Whoa. Some answers can only be found in nature. Discover the unsearchable. Visit discovertheforest.org to find a trail near you. Brought to you by the United States Forest Service and the Ad Council.